The following sermon is from Evangel Temple Student Ministries. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit etchurch.org forward slash student dash ministries. If you guys have your Bible, um, would you just turn to Romans chapter 10? We're going to jump into the Word uh, here in just a moment. If you don't have your Bibles, go ahead and raise your hand and we'll do a quick uh, passing them out here. I think we've got a couple scriptures here, somewhere around here. Um, if I could get some leaders helping me out, if we have a couple Bibles laying in the back there, um, and just t- hand out to those people. Raise your hand, shoot your hand up real quick, and you can lower it, and they'll try to get you one um, here in just a second. Um, okay, cool. So, and again, if you don't have, and Cam will use one, if, if you don't own one, um, that's our gift to you. So, but I encourage you guys always to uh, be bringing your, your Bible. Uh, if you don't have one, like we said, you can keep that one and then just be bringing that regularly. But we just encourage you to, uh, to be bringing your Bible. And that's uh, through your phone, you can, through the hard, hardback, um, paper Bible is always good. Um, and if you have one where you feel comfortable marking in it, then that's always good too, as to where you can, you can make notes and everything. Um, so I encourage all of that. Romans chapter 10 is where you guys are turning to, and uh, we're going to be going through a series um, about the Apostles' Creed. We're going to be talking and going through the Apostles' Creed. If you guys ever heard of that before, we're going to be reciting it here in just a minute. But really what it is is this belief statement, a statement of just talking about, I confess these to be true in my life. The Apostles' Creed will be in it for quite some time now, and so by the end of the series, you're going to be very accustomed to what the Apostles' Creed says and what it means to you in your life. And so this is really just um, basic foundational statements of this is the core beliefs that we have as um, Christians, as we profess Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior. These are the, um, the core beliefs. The Apostles' Creed was written some 1,600 years ago, and so it, it was a long, long time ago the Apostles' Creed was written, and so it's been recited for well over 1,000 years by Christians all around the globe. And so we, uh, we affirm it, and we uh, stand by it. We want to recite it because this really, uh, what it does, it does multiple things. One thing, it really, it just gets away from, uh, gets us away from bad belief or bad um, uh, heretical views, just views that wouldn't be in line with what scripture says. And so one, we, we recite the creed, the Apostles' Creed, really to affirm what is true and what we genuinely do believe, and we don't stray away from that right belief. Um, what it also does, it unifies, it unifies the church. It unifies the church, and so um, not, we, we aren't only just a, a church that, or, or, or a group of people that were birthed 100 years ago or 500 years ago, whatever it was. Um, we are a church that have, have a long lineage of um, just being able to look back and see uh, church fathers, people that have spoken life and spoken truth and, and have looked at the scriptures and, and dealt with the scriptures and wrestled with the scriptures, and we're able to see that. And so we are able to um, get the Apostles' Creed and really be able to uh, get, get light from it. Something I really want to um, make known, really emphasize, and I'll be emphasizing this. You guys will be hearing a lot of this intro stuff that I'm saying right now. You'll be hearing that through the next couple weeks uh, because I really want all that I'm saying right now to be very, uh, to be known and to be constantly in the back of your minds as we're hearing uh, these messages, as, we, as we're looking at the Apostles' Creed. I want all these things to be known, okay? And uh, one that is extremely important is that 
we are not preaching the Apostles' Creed. We are, you, you guys will not be preached to. Of, of the Apostles' Creed, we're going to be preaching Scripture, and the Apostles' Creed is going to be reflecting uh, Scripture. I, I, I was listening to a speaker that was doing the same thing as we are right now. He was preaching over a series of the Apostles' Creed, and I think a really neat analogy that he used was um, using a metaphor of the sun and the moon, that the Apostles' Creed reflects the light and the truth of Scripture, and so just like the moon doesn't have any light of itself, it doesn't have any, um, it, it doesn't shine by itself. And instead, it shines. We're able to see it in the sky because, why? Because it reflects the light of the sun. And so uh, in that metaphor, the, the scriptures, the sun, it's really the one that's radiating truth, radiating light. And the Apostles' Creed in and of itself is absolutely nothing. It's just words, but it's reflecting and it's um, symbol, it's just repeating truth that we're able to read in the scriptures. And so um, it's very important. We're not, uh, you guys will, I promise you right now that you will never hear as long as I am um, blessed to be your youth pastor, as long as you guys, um, that I'm able to serve as your youth pastor, I promise you guys that you will not be preached to um, other than just scripture. Scripture is the only thing to be preached. And um, so I assure you, as long as I am able to be um, serving as your youth pastor, that is what will be done. And so um, the Apostles' Creed, but we're going to be going through. It's just kind of the framework of this series. We're going to go phrase by phrase of the Apostles' Creed. And so as we start, I just want to start off by just reading the Apostles' Creed so we can get familiarized with what the Apostles' Creed says. Um, in following weeks, I will invite you to recite the Apostles' Creed with me. To We can say it in unison, and we can work on our uh, group, uh, you know, working skills. We're not all super off uh, kilter there, but we're going to be able to work on that teamwork. And, but this first week, I'm just going to read it, and you guys can follow along in your heads, but um, this is the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, or to hell. Uh, that'll be a fun, fun week for us. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. I promise we'll go faster next week. You guys won't be like, come on, say the next phrase. Um, so that is the Apostles' Creed. And so this week we're going to be looking at the phrase, I believe in. That's it. And I, we'll be going more than just three words every time or else we'll be really stretching this out throughout 2018. And so um, we won't be going that long. But this week, I think it's so important to look at the foundational statement or, or clause, I believe in. Because really everything else hangs on these three words, I believe in what? And what you're proclaiming that you believe in. What does it mean to say I believe in something? And more importantly, what we're going to be looking at, what does it mean to say, I believe in what the words follow for the Apostles' Creed. I believe in all of that. What, is that, what does that mean for your life? What, what, what significance does that hold as you li live your life day in and day out? 
And I really think that answer is found in Scripture, like we said before. And this week specifically, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. And so um, with that being said, if you guys would stand, this is something we um, have been doing recently. We're just going to be reading Scripture, God's holy word. And this is just a way that we can honor God's holy word, his revelation that he's given us and spoken to us. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and read. You guys can follow along in the Bibles that you're holding or up on the screens as well. Romans 10, 9 through 10, it says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Thank you guys can be seated. I appreciate that. And so it's always important whenever we're looking at a text, whenever we're looking at scripture, it's always important, right, not just to pull out two little verses and just say, so what does this say? And not even think about the context in which it's in, the, um, not only in history and what's going on at this time when this letter is written, but, but also literary context. What is going on? What is being said before those two verses and what's going on after those two? What's going on in the letter? And so, um, and what's going on in the whole narrative of the Bible? These are all important things in order to grab the, the true meaning of what he's saying in these verses. And so I want to I look a little bit at context of what is, um, where's Paul coming from whenever he gets to verse 9 and verse 10? What's he saying in the verses leading up to it? And so we're going to do it in just a minute. Um, and you guys got little siblings, siblings really young. I know a number of you guys do. Have any of you ran into the situation in where they say, they say something that is extremely socially unacceptable and just very uncomfortable in public? I see a lot of grins, so I, I can assume with good judgment that you, you all uh, can, can relate to me with my little siblings. And not only, it, it, gets, it gets even worse, right? Because if you do, can I get you? Can I get you? I know you're all telling your stories. Oh, one time, my, like, I know, I get it. We'll hear it after, okay? Um, not only do they, do they do that, which those of you with siblings and, and the response that we got, we know that they do that. They say things that are extremely uh, awkward and uncomfortable in public, and you have to have a talk to them afterwards, but they go one step further whenever you say, hey, 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 stop, like, don't, don't say that, don't say that. They don't stop then. It's like almost like a tease, like, they're, like you're like egging them on to keep saying, they're like, and they say it even louder and they're like smiling and like enjoying it. You're like, seriously, please just stop talking. And then they're like screaming it. And now they've said it seven times and it was 10 times worse than the, than the one time they would have just said it and you didn't acknowledge it, right? So you guys all know what I'm saying. My little brother, uh, Nathan, he's, he's the man. Uh, hopefully he's gonna be able to come and visit here pretty soon, but Nathan is nine, and uh, he, he honestly, he loves being one of the bros. He, he loves hanging out with the older guys. Um, he likes to think that he's um, a 30-year-old in a nine-year-old's body, and uh, I swear, sometimes I kind of think he is. I don't know, but he is, he's just super cool, and um, I'm a big fan of my little brother, Nathan, but, but he did this uh, just, I don't even know, a couple months back. He we were, we were having our driveway um, poured. We were, we were pouring concrete for our driveway. And um, my dad's a concrete guy, and so he, he knows how to do all this stuff. And so we're all just kind of making this, like, this family thing, right? Like, can you imagine uh, this whole family, mom, dad, um, little sister, little brother, you know, and just everyone's out there, like, just spreading concrete. And so um, Nate's there, and he's, he just, like, if you can just imagine, just watching me, he, he's like talking out of the side of his mouth, you know, standing like this little hunch like this and talking, you know, like, yeah, so, you know, and uh, so he's talking to the concrete guy 
And, and the concrete guy apparently started pouring out the concrete. And it's just like, it's just like soup. It's water. The guy completely ruined it. It was a whole, it was a huge concrete truck. And the entire thing was ruined because he watered it down. He diluted it with so much water, we couldn't use the concrete. And so it ruined um, a lot, a lot of money. If you guys know how much concrete is, it's, it, it's not cheap. And so he ruined the entire truck. And so we tried again the next day. We, the, the new concrete guy came out, um, and Nate was talking to the first concrete driver. But uh, they bring a new truck the next day, and Nate comes outside, and <laughs> he goes up, and he's like, man, did you hear about what, what one of your coworkers did yesterday? Little did, he didn't recognize it was the same exact guy. <laughs> and, and he goes, man, that guy was dumb. He did not know what he was talking about. And we're just like, Nate, shh, hey, hey. Don't even talk about it. You're good. And he goes, no, seriously, that guy was just dumb. He was dumb. We're like, Nate, seriously, please stop. Stop talking. He goes, I'm just saying. He, he was clueless. He didn't realize. And so like, we're like trying to talk Nate down and it's just getting worse and worse. And this concrete driver says, buddy, that, that was me. And Nate's like super uncomfortable at that point. Um, but it's just like that one, it's one of those things where you're, you just want to say like, oh, I wish you knew, Nate. I wish you, I wish you knew right now. So you'd stop talking. Um, but honestly, that's kind of true, right, with, with, with adults, right, where you're just kind of like, oh, I wish you knew, and we just keep making the same mistakes over and over and over, right, and, and um, we can relate um, as you're thinking, like, we have just these bad habits where we're just constantly um, making the same mistake, and, and somebody's probably looking in saying, like, oh, I wish you knew, I wish you got it figured out. I wish I, wish I could explain to you that this was a situation. And, and we, we're probably, uh, you might have some family members um, or some loved ones, some friends, some people at school, and you might be able to relate the same way. Like, oh, I just wish they could get it figured out. Like, they're, say, they're making the same mistake. Um, I wish I could just tell them. And a little more serious note, I think all of us know or have loved ones that, that aren't saved, that, that don't profess um, that Jesus is their Lord or their life, and, and you just wish you could say, I wish you knew. I wish you knew how much God loved you. I wish you knew the significance of what it means to make him the Lord over everything that you are. I wish, I wish you knew that he, he loved you so deeply that he died for you, that he was willing to take away everything from you, and he would, he would let you live a life living for him, and you, you would have no... No stress about the anxieties of trying to live up to all these expectations, but you could just put all that on him. I wish, I wish you knew how much he loved you, right? And so that's, I mean, I think we could all have those people. You might, you might have that person in your mind right now, and that's exactly what Paul's talking about in this, in this text, leading up to Romans 10, verse 9. That's exactly the context in which Paul is talking about he starts in verse 1 of chapter 10. If you still have your Bibles, you can follow along. It's not going to be up on the screen, but you can follow along in the Bibles next to you, but um, it's really not necessary. I can also read it. So um, starting in verse t- or chapter 10, verse 1, he says, Brothers and sisters, my heart desire and the prayer that I have to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. Is that they would be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, passion is another word. They're passionate for God, for their zeal, but their, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be no righteousness for everyone who believes. 
so that there would be righteousness for everyone who believes. Moses writes about this, about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does, not, who does these things will live by them. So he says, brothers and sisters, my prayer is for the Israelites that they would be saved. The problem is that these people wouldn't, wouldn't be able to read what I just read up on the screen. I believe in fill in the blank, this entire thing of saying, I believe that God um, who created the heavens and the earth, I believe in Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and Savior. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Catholic Church. They, can, they can't say all that. These, these people weren't living for God. They were, instead, they were putting their faith and belief and trust in their own actions. They were putting their own righteousness on themselves. We see in verse three, you can look at it again, but the problem is they, they, they couldn't profess what we just said and that, that makes a huge difference. And so we can think about the people that, that we just had in the back of our minds, like, oh, I wish they knew how much God loved them. And typically you might be thinking about people that aren't going to church, people that um, are completely opposed to the idea of God and all this, right? Typically these are the people that come to our minds. But, but then you think about who is Paul talking about? If you look at the text, he's saying that it's the Israelites, people that put their own trust in, in, in their own righteousness. These are religious people that he's talking about. And this is like a two by four to the face when we start reading this because these are people that are regularly going to the synagogues. He's not talking about the, the person that's the prostitute. He's not talking about um, the drug dealer. He's not talking about the people that we read that Jesus was having um, meals with in the gospels. He's not talking about the tax collectors, the horrible people that are obviously not living for God. No, he's talking about the people that are regularly going to the synagogue, the regular going to the temple, the regularly lifting their hands and worship to God. These are the people that he says, I wish they were saved. And that completely changes everything in our mind when we start thinking about what does it mean to be saved and what does it mean to believe? He says, my wish is for the Israelites that they would be saved, and I think really it's, this might sound blunt, it might sound um, harsh, but really we see in this text that zeal or, or passion doesn't necessarily mean salvation. You, you can be passionate about something, and these people were, they were passionate about um, uh, making God proud of them. These people were, were passionate about looking religious. These people were passionate about being moral. They had good intentions, it seems, right? They wanted to love people. They wanted to share um, good news. They wanted to love on people around them, and they wanted to um, be moral. They wanted to, to live right lives. But we see that good intentions don't even necessarily mean that you're, that you're saved. And then he continues, he continues in verse 6 um, to verse 8, if you still have the, the text in front of you. I'm going to go ahead and read it. He says, But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or, Who will descend into the deep? That is hell. Um, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does the righteous man say? That the, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart that is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. This sounds a little confusing, right? That, 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 was, a lot of, that was a lot of words. And you're like, eh, I'm not really sure. Um, 
So he's saying, if you're righteous, if you're really living for God, you're not going to be saying, well, who, who's going to heaven? Who's going to hell? We're not thinking the salvation. That's almost like the idea of salvation is a futuristic thing, that we're not saved until we, until we die, and then you find out where you're going, right? Salvation isn't a futuristic thing. Salvation isn't a thing that you're going to receive in a few years, and you'll find out then. No, he says, the word is near you right now. The word is in your heart. The word is in your mouth. He says, right now, we... We can have assurance today as we're sitting in our seats, as we're listening, as we're, as we're worshiping God, we can have assurance. That is the amazing thing about the gospel that we can know right now that we can have relationship with God. You are not just saved once you die and go to heaven, but that your salvation starts right now, that your relationship with God starts right now, that he wants relationship with you. And it's as we live throughout our life, day in and day out, right now, so how can you know that? How can you have the assurance? And really that is, um, I think, answered in verse 9 and verse 10, what we just read. Really the bulk of what I, I, I want to talk about tonight is if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is our assurance. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. We see that it's kind of twofold, like hand in hand. You're professing something and you're believing something in your heart. They, they kind of go hand in hand. They're, they're really inseparable. That's something I really want to make known right now and tonight is that your declaration of faith and your belief in your heart have to go hand in hand and they can't go one or the other. You can't have one without the other. And so we've been talking for, I don't know how many weeks now, quite a, quite a while about how, how you can't believe and not say, right? We, we, this is a truth that we've been looking at, we've been exploring in our, um, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, we've been going over a series called Church and Culture, right? Being the church immersed in the culture in which we live. And really it was based on this truth that if you know the significance of the gospel, if you know the truth of what uh, we have, that is, God wants relationship with us and he saves us from our sins. If we really know the depth of that, well, then we can't help ourselves but want to share that good news to other people. We want to share that with other people, right? We can't believe and not, not say, right? This is a truth that we've been looking at for the past couple of weeks. But I think it's also important on the flip side, the other side of the coin, that we have to make sure that we're not just proclaiming when it's not really in our hearts and we're not really believing, and it's really a tricky thing to think about, to proclaim something and to, to, uh, to say something or to act a certain way, yet it's not rooted down in the depths of who you are and what you believe. You can say those words, the, the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God the Father, but it's not, uh, this is a fun little word if... Um, if you guys like these, these words, incantation. It's not an incantation where, where you say a certain thing or you do a certain thing and then it's like magic. Now you're all of a sudden saved. You, you can say the Apostles' Creed as many times as you want, but if it's not true in your heart, then it doesn't matter. They are literally just words. You can't just do something um, and be saved. It's not like magic. and You can't be just baptized and all of a sudden, whoop, you're saved. Like that was an action. No, it has to be in your heart, Right? And it's, I know it sounds a little funny. People are, you know, sometimes like, okay, yeah, we get it. Obviously, we know, like, I can't do something. And, and like, whoop, I'm saved, 
right? Like that's kind of obvious in our minds, you would think, but then also I can't help but think that there might be people in church today around the world, around the city, that they might be lifting their hands in church. They might be saying um, the right thing. They might be living the right way, right? They might be proclaiming um, that they're a Christian, yet it's not rooted in who they are. And it's not rooted in what they believe. And I, I, I just have to say that if you're able to say those words, but you can't really make it true in your heart that Jesus really is the Lord of everything, every aspect of your life, every um, little um, thing that you do, every aspect of your life. If you, can't, if you can say those words, but it's not true that uh, you really believe deep down that God is the God of everything then it doesn't matter that you're saying those words. Saying those words mean absolutely nothing. It's that if you believe that they're true and they ring true in your heart. I think a great indication of this, not the only one, but one of, one of the great indications of this is, is how you handle hard times. How you handle the hard times and how you still respond and how you still look to God and how, um, how you interact with God and how you see your relationship with God in the darkest and the hardest times of your life. I, I have a, like I was talking to you about earlier, my little brother Nathan. We adopted him. He was in the foster care system. And so it was, it was quite the journey getting to the point in which he um, was able to be called Nathan Worley. And part of that was that he, he ended up going back to his mom for some time. He, uh, he was with us for about three years or something like that, two years. And so he became my little brother. We had him while we, we taught him uh, how, to, how to talk, how to walk, how to you know, do all the things that he does. He was my little brother. And I saw him that way, just like my other siblings. And, um, but the court saw that his mom might be to this point where she could have her, her son back. And so, um, and so that's good and all. He, he went back to his mom. But I just remember, man, I was heartbroken. It's like I had a little brother going to school, coming back from school. I, I didn't have him there, and I wasn't able to, you know, have this whole intimate embrace with him and, and just say goodbye. Hey, I, I hope you're going to have a great life. I don't know when I'm going to see you. If I'm going to see you, um, I just showed up, and Nate wasn't there anymore. And so um, I remember that was a Wednesday I went to church. Man, it still messes with me whenever I think about it. I lost my brother. And um, I remember I went up, just like we have prayer, prayer leaders um, every week. I went up to the prayer team, and I just started crying. I remember after I prayed, I went to the bathroom, and I was just staying in the bathroom, looking in the mirror, just crying. I didn't want to go out. I didn't want people to see me crying, right, and all this whole thing. Um, but I remember also in this whole time of just spending a little bit of time in prayer with God, talking with God, that um, I made a point to keep saying, God, I'm going to love you. God, I'm going to trust you. God, I believe in you. God, I'm super confused right now. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you guys that I wasn't confused. I wasn't devastated. I wasn't heartbroken because I was. I was all of those things. But I, I, I wanted to make sure, like I was reassuring God or something like that. No, I was reassuring myself, God, I love you. God, this is horrible. I don't know what I'm going to do, but God, I care about you and I love you and I want to live for you. I don't know what you're doing right now. I don't know why in the world you would think this is the right thing going on, but I'm going to trust in you. And I think it's these hard times that are one of 
the great indications that can really show us that we're not just lifting our hands for no reason. We're not just trying to live the right way because we want to look like we're moral. We want to look good to other people, that we're not just saying the right stuff and it's not really rooted in our hearts. But if it's rooted in your heart, you're going to constantly be wanting to live for your Lord Jesus Christ, independent of what's going on in your life. And so as we go through the next couple weeks, we're going to wrestle through a lot of these things of what these statements mean and the weight of these statements and and how significant they are in your life. But this week in particular, I just wanna look at what does it mean to say I believe in these things? We have to hit this week before we can get into what those things mean. Are you willing to say I believe and what the weight of saying I believe means? And we see in Romans 10, nine and 10 that it's really confession with your mouth, but then also the belief in your heart so one, are you, are, you, are you confessing? And that can be shown in a multiple different ways. It could be um, through baptism, like we talked about. Sarah made an announcement about it, that um, are you embracing, are you, are you uh, making a step into, the, into the, the mandate that the Bible has to, to make um, a, a proclamation in front of all your peers that I am a follower of Jesus Christ and, I, Christ and I will be baptized? Are you doing that? We also see, we saw a couple weeks ago, that um, are we willing to stand up for our faith um, whenever our friends um, call us to, to an answer, right? That was in 1 Peter 3. Are you willing to um, give an answer for your faith? But then also just are you living? Um, are you living in a way in which you want to glorify God? These are all ways in which you can proclaim with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, but then also the other half of it is, do you believe? Is it, is it weighted down in your heart of who you are? And really, you're the only person that can know. You could have everyone else fooled in this room. You could have everyone else fooled. But only you can know deep down, do I believe, do I make this true in who I am? Only you can answer that question. Have I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ? Every aspect of it. How do I live when no one is around? How do I think? How do I act when others are watching? Deep down, what is driving you? And is it that you believe in your Lord Jesus Christ? That is the significance of of belief. It impacts every aspect of your life. And so the next few weeks, we'll we'll be going over that stuff and just, you know, looking, do I affirm every single one of these statements? And I'm really excited to go over it with you guys, to look at it, to affirm these things as, as a community. We'll get to the, the week of um, his, uh, the, the Holy Communion, the Catholic Church, that, that is just the church um, in unity, God's people. Not, you know, we're not Catholics, okay? Just want to go over that. Um, but God's holy church coming together and affirming these statements to be true together, but also personally. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you're not already a part of the ET family, we invite you to join us on Wednesday nights. For more information, visit etchurch.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.